Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 135 of the Property Magic Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to ask a question I'm often asked, which is, should you buy houses or should you buy apartments? Now, the answer to this is, as often, well, it really depends. Now, I do have a personal view on this, and this view has changed over time. But what I want to do, I want to share some of the pros and cons of both houses and apartments with you. The first thing you should think about whether you're buying houses or apartments is location where you're actually investing. Now, I recommend most people should start where they live or where they work because you're going to know the area better. However, it's perfectly possible to invest outside of your area if you have a local power team to help you. Now, if you're investing in London, for example, most of the properties available are going to be apartments. And that might be right with most capital cities around the world. However, if you're investing outside of the capital in larger towns and cities, there are going to be plenty of choice of apartments or houses for you to invest in. So the next thing you need to think about is your investing strategy and the size of property that you need to do that strategy. So for example, if you're doing an HMO, a house of multiple occupation, really you're looking for a house that's a four or five bedroom house that can be used as a five or six bedroom HMO maybe. If you're doing serviced accommodation, you might only need a one or two bedroom apartment. So your strategy can also affect the type of property you need. Having said that, I know people who use large apartments very successfully as HMOs. You can have an apartment that might be a five bed, might work really well as a student HMO. You also got to think about who are your tenants and what kind of accommodation do they want? You might say, well, actually, I want to rent to students. Well, in that case, a larger HMO might be more appropriate than smaller apartments because students like to live with other people. If it's young professionals, they might live in either apartments or houses. So again, you've got to think about the location where you're investing, the strategy, and then the type of tenants and what they're looking for. Now, I found over the years, although I am generalizing, if you have younger tenants, they quite like to live in apartments very close to the city center. So they've got nightlife, restaurants, and local facilities and amenities very close to them. Also, sometimes older people who have retired, they like to downscale to an apartment because it means they don't have a big property to look after. They don't have a big garden to maintain as well. So there are definitely some people who do like apartments and that's what they prefer. And also, if you have a brand new apartment, people like living in a brand new apartment. However, once your first set of tenants have lived in that apartment, even if you purchase a brand new apartment, well, it's no longer a new property because other people have lived there. And also, given what's happened over the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of people who are very happy living in apartments have decided actually they don't want to do that anymore. And now they've moved out into houses that have gardens, especially if they have children. Now, I think this is one of the things that's 
caused the massive boom in rental rates for houses, particularly with gardens, um, it's very difficult to get them at the moment and rents have shot up because there's such a high demand for them. Now, one of the benefits of having an apartment, particularly a new apartment, is that the maintenance might be very low. Whatever you take on a new apartment, there's often some snagging issues that might come up in the first couple of months. But once those are resolved, you can have very, very low maintenance, which means you've got lower maintenance bills. If you have a property that's a large house, particularly an older one, there's going to be things that go wrong, things that need fixing over time. Now, the other big consideration when thinking about houses or apartments is, is the property freehold or leasehold? Now, I know we have lots of international people listening to this podcast. So let me basically explain. Freehold is where you own the property, you own the land above it, sorry, the land below it and the air above it. Typically, houses are freehold, but not always. And apartments, well, it's very difficult for you to own what's below and above the apartment because that might be another apartment. So those are often leasehold where you have a freeholder who owns the whole building and they look after that. And then you as a leaseholder have a unit, an apartment within that building. Now, as a leaseholder, you'll pay uh, a ground rent to the lease to the freeholder and also you'll pay service charges. And this can be a real problem when you have an apartment. Um, I had uh, one of my early apartments. In fact, the first apartment I bought was back in 2003. Um, I actually bought it with uh, a girlfriend of mine at the time. We were living together. We decided to buy a property together. So we moved in. We put it into her name because she was a first time buyer. So we were able to get a 90% mortgage. Uh, we actually bought it below market value and added some value to it as well. So six months later, we remortgaged the property again up to a 90% and were able to get out the initial deposit and also the money we spent on the refurb. So that was actually a buy, refurb and retain property uh, that we did back in 2003, not even knowing that was a strategy at the time, if I'm completely honest. And it was a lovely, uh, what's called a mansion style apartment, which is a very large apartment in Edgebaston. It was the top floor, so a penthouse overlooking the green canopy of trees in Edgebaston. And you could just about see the scoreboard at Edgebaston Cricket Ground. And you could certainly hear the cricket when you open the doors on a summer, summer day. So it was a lovely apartment to live in. However, it was an old apartment. It was a 1920 style. They had a very old fashioned lift in the apartment. There were, I think, about 10 blocks on this very nice private estate. Uh, there were private gardens that needed maintaining. There was a porter who was there during the week, office hours, um, to receive parcels and things. So all of this cost a lot of money. When I first moved in, the service charges were, I think, about 200 pounds per month. Now, I was living there and I had a nice cheap mortgage, so I didn't really mind paying that. When I and that partner eventually broke up, I bought the property off her. She moved out. I stayed there for a number of years. And then I eventually moved into a house with a new partner. And I retained that property to rent it out. Now, although it was a lovely uh, rental property, uh, the thing that really affected me was the service charges. By the time I sold the apartment, and I did sell it for these reasons, uh, the service charges were over £300 per month. Now, bear in mind, there's no gym, there's no pool, there's no concierge. The cost was all because of the high maintenance of the lifts, having a porter there, having the maintenance of the gardens and the roads. Um, so it's a very, very expensive service charge. So for that reason, I decided to sell that apartment. And that is one of the main reasons that's kind of put me off having apartments is it's the effect you have on the cash flow from your property. 
Now, the freeholder will generally employ a management agent to look after the building on their behalf. And sometimes those are great companies. Sometimes they're not very good companies. And the thing is, it's completely out of your control. Um, so I have a number of developments um, that I have built and developed and sold on most units. And I've kept just a few of the units in most of those developments. And because we sold the freehold on as well, someone else has been managing it. And some of those companies charge ridiculous amounts of money. I might have very cheap apartments. It might be worth, I don't know, 60, 70,000 pounds each. Um, so the rental income might be 400, 450 pounds pounds um they're not they're not fantastic returns but they're okay i i wouldn't buy them again if i had my time over but because i built them developed them i just held on to a few however sometimes the service charges might be as much as 80 90 pounds a month and so that really eats into your cash flow and it's not such a good investment um, i'm thinking about selling a few of those actually taking the equity out and using them in much better investments i also have an ex-council property in birmingham it's a flat um, that i rent out very successfully it's had really good capital growth um, and the council are the free uh, the freeholder so i pay them a very minimal lease fee i think it's probably 15 20 pounds a month nothing at all however it's really difficult to get them to come and do maintenance um, we have a tree outside this particular apartment and there was a time where it was really growing it really needed cutting back it was obscuring the view uh, from one of the rooms in the apartment um, and it took us literally over a year to get someone from the council to come out and cut back the tree so again disadvantage of having a, a leasehold if it was a freehold you'd be doing all these things yourself you'd have a lot more control um now finally the biggest consideration for me because i am a long-term buy and hold investor i have sold a few properties over the years generally i've regretted doing that because of the capital growth we've seen so i tend to hold on to properties and i've owned property for over 26 years and i can safely say that if I look at the apartments and the houses, there's always some exceptions. So that property in, in uh, Edgebaston, that did really well in terms of capital growth. However, I have a number of new build apartments that seemed like a great idea at the time because they were very popular to rent. Uh, they were very low money down, if even no money down investments for me. So they seemed like a good idea. But even with a discount that I was buying at, I think I probably paid over the price. And that often happens with brand new apartments. And so I was expecting really good capital growth like the majority of my portfolio but some of these when i bought maybe at the peak in 2006 2007 then the crash came i've had one or two that actually still didn't recover and come back to the full market value which i bought them for so my view is long-term capital growth is generally better in houses than it is in apartments so in summary if you consider all the factors personally I prefer houses and I advise my students where possible, where it suits for the type of accommodation available, the type of accommodation your client wants. I think buying houses is better for the two fundamental reasons is that you then generally do not have service charges that can cut into your cash flow. And also you tend to have better capital growth. So that's my view if you should buy houses or apartments. I do hope you found this useful. As always, um, I'd love to make a request and also a recommendation. First of all, the request. Um, if you've liked this, if you want to scroll to the bottom of the episodes where they're all listed, you can leave a review. And I love it if you can leave 
review saying how much you've benefited from listening to these podcasts because I think other people will be able to find them the more reviews we have. The other thing is I'll make a recommendation. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. We have a free podcast comes out every Tuesday morning. Uh, I don't do any interviews. It's um, no one else. It's just me sharing my thoughts and views about property investing. And I hope you find them useful and interesting. Um, if you've only just started listening to the podcast, we have almost 30 hours of content. It's normally between 10 and 15 minutes each Tuesday, over 30 hours of free content. And I promise you, if you listen to all that content, do a bit of a binge fest on it over the next couple of months, uh, you'll probably know a lot more than the average investor in the UK. So I do hope this is giving massive value to every week. Uh, my name's Simon Zucci. And until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.